Hello, 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 and we're into another episode of Add a Zero. I'm delighted to share that today is another special guest edition, and I'm joined by someone to have a conversation. Now, as you know, in episode 29, we talked all about the importance of having insurance within your business and the, the, the critical errors that we're making if we don't have sufficient insurance to be able to protect the business and the people within it. And then previously, we had a, another conversation with Kevin Besford from Trevorium, and we talked about the whole purpose of being in business, and surely that is about being able to take more time out and to be able to enjoy more holidays. Well, today, almost as a triad to be able to pull all of that together, we're joined by Jimmy Crichton, and Jimmy's going to talk to us about the most important thing beyond business, beyond anything else, about staying alive about having medical insurance, about being able to ensure that we are alive and fit and well to do all of the other things that we've been talking about in all the other episodes. So without further ado, please welcome to the show uh, Jimmy from WPA, um, uh, the Western Providence. Jimmy, nice to have you with us. Today's Add a Zero special guest. Hi Jay, thank you for having me mate. Um, yeah, so I work for the franchise MNM Healthcare Limited, which is an appointed representative of WPA Healthcare Practice PLC. Um, our franchise is based locally in Stockport, and Jay, I am very happy to be here today and to be on this podcast. Delighted to have you with us. Jimmy, help me understand, because you're a young fit lad. And you've been really, oh, I think you're really still into your sports and all that type of stuff. So just give me a little bit of a flavour and a background. How does somebody that's into sports end up finding themselves working with Western Providence? Yeah, so a little bit about me sport-wise is ever since I was a little boy, um, up in the Lake District, I've played pretty much most sports. Uh, the one that really took my fancy is Rugby Union. Good man. And obviously rugby is a fairly physical game. Um, I met my current boss, um, Mark Bannerton, um, about five or six years ago at my local club. Um, he actually owns the franchise I work for and he, um, he offered me a job probably in and around 12 months ago, maybe 10 months ago at the end of last summer. Okay. Um, I was currently employed elsewhere and Mark and I had a chat and we decided that I would come and work for him um, as of the start of 2022. Um, so I can't say that I approached Mark to work, but um, I can't say I um, chose to work in the world of private healthcare insurance to start off with. However, I have fell into it and now I am not going to look back. I absolutely love what I do. Um, WPA are a not-for-profit health insurance company. We don't deal with any sort of insurance apart from private healthcare. So we don't do life insurance, we don't do, we don't do critical illness insurance and all of these other sorts of insurances. It is just private healthcare insurance and basically we, we can get you access to medical treatment quickly. Now, as you probably imagine with the world of COVID, then the NHS is ridiculously busy. Seven million people on a waiting list currently, just under I think it is, and up to 24 months uh, for people waiting for non-essential surgery. And as you can imagine, that's quite a long time. 
Two years? Up to two years, yeah. I, I can't remember the figure off the top of my head, but I think it's around 18 to 20%, something like that, waiting for over 12 months for surgery. Wow. I couldn't give you an exact figure. Um, I haven't looked that up. The scary thing is, Jim, I mean, just let's just slow that down and just break it down into little bits. That we've just heard from the national census that there was a 6% increase in population in the UK. That we now were 60 million people in England rather than 60 million people in the UK 10 years ago. So there's more and more people in the UK. We've just gone through two years of COVID crisis of which I think the NHS have done an incredible job, but in actual fact, in doing so, have had to put so much of the stuff on the back burner in order to be able to cope with what COVID's thrown at them, that we've got this increase in population, we've got a forever incredibly stretched National Health Service as it is. Now we've gone through this COVID crisis that's put even more demand on things. Realistically, that, that two-year waiting list that's going to be years and years and years before we can even attack that in any great forms to be able to try and reduce it back to anything that's realistic when it comes to our own health, surely? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to say that it would be back to normal in two years. However, I think that two years could be more like 12. Mm. And as you said there, Jay, the NHS is absolutely brilliant. Everything they've done over all these years has been absolutely fantastic. However there is now quite a vicious backlog. Um, the private healthcare industry itself has grown, not just us, this is all private healthcare insurers, has grown by in and around 20% per year post-COVID. Wow. Now you're thinking about those sort of figures. A lot of people, pre, a lot of people before COVID did have private healthcare. However, now it is growing and growing and growing. Now the other thing I wanted to quickly pick up on before we go into any further is the fact that you were keen to be able to mention WPA is not for profit, so so rather than it being another commercial beast, that although it's growing and, and doing well for itself, in actual fact, all of the money that WPA uh, recovers from its members is reinvested into science and, and membership and, and looking after the members that it's already got. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think, in my opinion, one of the best things about um, the health insurance that we offer is that our private clients actually have a no no claims policy so despite how much they claim on their policy the following year the premium will only rise by age and medical inflation as well as if there was an if there was a healthcare offer on their previous insurance then that would also that would also be off their premium as well so, for example, at the moment, we've got 25% off in year one, 15% off in year two, 5% off in year three. So when they're going from year one to year two, let's say, yes, it's going to rise by 10% plus the age and, and the medical inflation. However, once they get to after that year three period, they know every year it's going to go by age and age and medical inflation, which is similar to RPI. So at the moment, with everything going on in the world and the price of living, RPI is slightly higher than what it is normally. But usually, you're looking at around the normal RPI bracket. Makes perfect sense. Now, the next thing, and in order for us to be properly get into this, um, again, you know, this is Add a Zero podcast is all managed by Mitro North, the ethical coaching company. So, I, I want to just throw in an ethical question, if I may, and just go 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 off left field somewhere before we actually dive into it. For the people 
that have the availabilities to be able to consider this as a financial option to them. I believe that there's almost this moral question with regards to if you can and you think that it would be of benefit to you, then because the NHS is under such a strain, should we not be doing so anyways to reduce some of that strain further from otherwise our entitlements to join a two-year waiting list? Yes, absolutely. I'm going to answer that question with a story almost. Please. Um, so we currently deal with a lot of people who are self-employed. Now, if you're self-employed, ask yourself, if you unfortunately got injured or had an accident and you couldn't work, how would your business therefore be effective if you had to wait, for argument's sake, 6, 12, 18, 24 months for that treatment and then to recover from that treatment? So, yes, it is ethical because it gets access to that treatment quickly, which is obviously the main thing about the private healthcare insurance. However, it's not just what happens to yourself, it's how those are affected around you as well. So if you're self-employed, how is your partner or spouse going to be affected? Who's going to pay that mortgage? Who's going to pay those bills? If you have kids, who's going to, bring, who's going to be able to afford to bring those kids in? All these other things then start to come into it. As I said earlier, the NHS is absolutely brilliant. Everything they've done is brilliant. It's not their fault they are so whatever's happened in there has happened. Um, however, the private healthcare sector allows you to get that treatment quickly. Now, when it comes to talking about quickly, we were just sharing a brief story before we started the, today's podcast. Um, maybe we could have a conversation and start there uh, with regards to exactly, because I was just blown away. I mean, I've been a WPA member now for probably about 10 to 12 years, um, but even I was blown away with the story that you've just shared with me off uh, Mike, so so perhaps we could start there when we talk about quickly. Yeah, so a good story. Um, so what's happened recently is um, I won't give any names or details, but um, Mr. Smith has had a bad knee for a while. Um, he hurt it playing over thirty fives football, <laughs> and um, yeah, so um, he decided oh, I'm going to go get this knee sorted now. So he rang up the remote doctor, and which is accessible 24, 24 hours per day, seven days per week. And the online doctor told him that um, he'll probably go, he, we will probably go need, need to see a specialist about his knee. Therefore, he then got a letter in the post, I would say a couple of days afterwards, to go see a specialist. He then rang the specialist, got to go see a specialist maybe a couple of days after that, saw a specialist. After that specialist had, had, had then said, yes, I think you've hurt your knee, I think you've done some damage to whatever part of it was unfortunately broken or torn or whatever it was, um, he, then, he then had some scans. Potentially, again, a couple of days afterwards, he then had the results from that scan and saw a specialist after that probably within a week or two. That's how quick it was to find out what was wrong with that knee and then at the end of that, they, were, they, they have planned some surgery. Now that surgery could have happened a lot sooner, but he was going on holiday for, for a couple of weeks. So that, so, so that surgery was, was extended for a couple of weeks afterwards. <laughs> However, if he hadn't gone on holiday, that surgery would have happened far, far sooner. So within, so within one, two, three weeks tops, he'd seen a doctor, a specialist, had scans, seen a specialist, and he was under the knife for surgery. So within realistically, from first calling the doctor from 
and after surgery within a month, six weeks tops, he was back at work. Not necessarily firing on all cylinders, sure. but he was firing at a capacity where he could work. His business wasn't affected quite as much as what he thought it would have been if he'd been waiting on the NHS for treatment. But let's face it, realistically, it could have been 12, 18, 24 months' time. Absolutely. And ironically, if he continues to try and work on an injured knee, then in actual fact, the ACL reconstruction that he needed in the beginning starts to be a full reconstruction because he's worked on it that by the time you get there, it's a lot more damage done, it's a lot more recovery time. It's just that extenuation of everything that's going off. The other thing that I just picked up on, and I just thought, you know, and he was going on holiday in a couple of weeks, so we've just booked it in for when he got back off holiday. The very fact that we can have this sit down and negotiations to when is it convenient to be able to do your ACL reconstruction, as opposed to you've been given a date, move heaven and earth, because you've waited 18 months, and if you miss it, you might go back to the bottom of the list. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I think if that happened on, on the NHS, they would get you back in. However, in the private world, they do work around you. That is the beauty of it. You get that freedom of choice to pick which hospital you want to go at and get that treatment at, and ultimately, when you want that treatment. Absolutely. So in actual fact, what we could do is turn around and say, do you know what, it's June now. I'm going to put up with it for another three or four weeks, but the kids are off. And it was going to be that my wife was going to have to take some leave uh, and, and some holiday to be able to look after the kids over at school holidays. Whereas in actual fact, what I could do is if I have my knee done and I'm off and I'll be there looking after the kids because I've got some rehab to do and I've got to be... And then my wife could work and then in actual... So in actual fact, you could build it around your circumstances to establish as to when's going to be the most cost-effective times to be able to get the thing that you need done to have minimum impact on both you and your family and your business. And all of that can be done through negotiation with your private surgeon um, in a private hospital of your choice in the local area um, to enable you to be able to get back to work as quickly as possible because that's the desire for everyone concerned, a fit and healthy person. Yes, 100%. I mean, yeah, that, that is absolutely brilliant. And um, that is how it works. And you can plan. However, don't get me wrong, we are all humans. Mm. Private hospitals do get busy as well. Sometimes you can have that surgery done within a week. Other times it might take slightly longer. But one thing I can promise is it ain't going to be 6, 12, 18, 24 months. So you have to give or take a bit. It could be a week, it could be two, it could be three. But however, private hospitals, that insurance, you will get it done far quicker than waiting on the NHS. Jimmy, this is just insane. I mean, if we just think about that in, in itself, he's been to see a GP on the NHS. Yeah. Um, he's subsequently been referred by that GP that he needs to see a specialist. Correct. He's subsequently had a conversation with you because he's a WPA member. Yeah. And you've been able to get him in front of a specialist tomorrow, in 24 hours. In actual fact, in potentially less than 24 hours, because he only spoke to you yesterday afternoon, um, that within 24 hours he's going to be in front of a specialist having a look at his injury. The scans will be perhaps performed either that day or certainly within that week. Mm-hmm. That within 10 days or so, chances are by the time that the GP, the, the NHS GPs, had times to be able to write a letter to be able to make that uh, referral, that we'll already have skins, scans and be able to talk about either surgery or other treatments. Yes. Jimmy, it's almost too good to be true. So I guess my next question, and again, on an ethical question, 
I used to live next door to a GP. Um, and I knew the hours that Raj um, did um, were, were extensive. And we ended up having quite a detailed conversation. One afternoon over a barbecue, at one of those weekend neighbourly things to do. We all um, love a barbecue, Jake. Uh, we all love a barbecue. We all, all we need is the weather Absolutely. for a barbecue. Um, but I ended up having quite a detailed conversation with Raj. Um, he was telling me as to how honoured he was to be able to work within the NHS and how he loves the job that he does. However, he subsidises that by doing some private consultation work outside of his NHS contract. So I'm just curious, has this person through WPA jumped the list and is now seeing the specialist that the NHS doctor is going to refer them to in two years' time? Or has WPA got a bank of specialists? Or, or how does it work? How's the dynamics of all of this work? So the specialists work at the private hospitals, obviously. And once you go on your app, you will, get, um, you will be able to select to see a certain specialist. Now, specialist appointments can happen, like I imagine with the one happening tomorrow, there's probably a cancellation or something. I see. Because that's quick. Yeah. But usually, as, as we said earlier, it is within a week. But... Yeah, um, so any, any private specialist you would like to see at any private hospital um, within your area. So where we're based, you're going to go to the Spire in Manchester, that sort of thing, or the Alex. Um, so there are hospitals in and around the area where you can go see a specialist. Now, I'm just going to recite a story back to you um, about my experience of WPA as a customer, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, like I say, I've been, I've been around now for 10 or 11 years. Um, 22, 23 years ago, I injured my knee in the eye. It was quite a severe injury. Um, It led it to needing surgery and and being rebuilt and and this and the other. And all of that was taken care of very quickly by military surgeons in a military hospital because we're in the military. Um, And we were able to get it fixed and done and physio and and to the extent that I was back in the field and, and running around like an idiot again, probably two or three, well, maybe three or four months after my original injury. And then like a fool, years and years and years later, having not thought about said injury, climbing around like an idiot, thinking I'm 21 and invincible again, um, I have a motorbike accident and damage previously repaired knee. Now, not only have I got damage from the first injury that's been rebuilt and pins and plates and all that type of stuff but I've now gone and damaged pins and plates from the previous injury to the extent that there was talk it didn't happen but there was talk of me being heli lifted um, to York Hospital from the injury site to get me there quickly like I say that that, that, I was stubborn and that subsequently didn't happen but I ended up in A&E and during that process of being processed into an uh, a NHS hospital, in an NHS ward, an NHS bed, to be able to talk about surgery, one of the questions was asked, do you have healthcare? Um, I said, well, I, I do, to be honest with you. I, I'm a member of WPA Healthcare. Marvellous, not a problem. Then you have a choice. We can either do X or we can contact your insurer. Um, how would you like to proceed? And we ended up having this conversation between myself and the surgical team and my insurer to establish what was best. 
Now, what I found interesting, and forgive me, this is a few years ago now, so I'm hoping that I'm reciting something that, that's still the truth. We identified that because of the nature of the injury and where I was at the time and what was available, that I didn't need to be able to make use of the healthcare policy that I had, even though I could have been chosen to do so. That I was in front of a surgeon that was capable of operating on my knee and the time frame was such that it was going to happen on the NHS. I got a payback from WPA for not using their services. Yes, that is true. Um, so, for example, um, no private medical insurance covers A and D, because if you get sent to there, you've usually got a leg hanging off an arm. Like you've got something really wrong with you, um, which needs treatment there and then. Even now, A and E are absolutely brilliant at getting you that treatment there and then. That is why they're there. Um, yeah, so what, why we have that is because if you don't use your policy and you've been rushed to hospital and you're potentially too ill to move from hospital, or in your case, you would like to stay there rather than go private because the timings, it was all happening and that sort of thing. If you're in hospital for up to three nights and it is not related to cancer, we actually give you a cash back of £150 per night <laughs> each night for those three nights. Anything over those three nights... Again, as long as it's not cancer, that is at £200 per night, up to an annual limit of £4,500 for anything not to do with cancer. So in total, that's somewhere between 20 and 23 nights, or 22 and a half nights, if sure. we're good at maths. However, if it is on the NHS and you are in cancer for all, those, for all those days, you can get up to £6,000 at £200 per night for using the NHS. <laughs> So yes, it's frustrating that you've gone to the NHS because you've hurt yourself and you can't use your private healthcare, but we do give you a cash back from it. Not as a loss of earnings, it's not to do anything, it's just a cash back, it takes a bit of money off your policy, which you then might use if you have a five and it's that a thousand pounds to put towards your premium the following year. Yeah. And also your policy hasn't been affected, as I said earlier, it still goes up by age and medical inflation. However, it wouldn't have gone up still, even if you had claimed on it. Yep. That's one of our private policies. The corporate policies, they go up slightly differently. I am getting off track, but they are either risk pool claims or they are claims related. But we can go into those corporate policies in more detail later if we get onto it anyway. Sure, sure. So, so, so far, um, it's quick. Um, it's, it rewards you if you don't use it. Um, it covers... So, so I guess, realistically, we need to get into... Who takes out private medical insurance? Um, why would I take out private medical insurance? And then subsequently, how do I take out private medical insurance? Okay, let's start right from the start. So we said who first, didn't we? Yeah. Who takes out private medical insurance? Well, it might be an individual who is worried about NHS wait times and they want themselves and their family to get access to medical treatment quickly. However, it might be someone who is self-employed and therefore they might be a sole trader or have their own limited company and they might be able to get a policy and class it as a big business expense but still ensure their family on that policy. However, as we start building up the scale and we go towards the large companies, 10, 15, 20, 100, 200, 300 employees, however big this company is, they then might start putting corporate schemes. And corporate schemes tend to be a little bit cheaper than the private schemes, I will say that now. But as I said earlier, they're priced slightly differently. Sure. So depending on the size of the scheme, they might be risk pool pricing where we put all the corporate groups into 
one category and all the corporate groups and then risk pool pricing. So they all go up by age and medical inflation. And then their claims related, however, they're spread over all the, all the policies in that pool and everyone's premium goes up the same amount yes. to make sure that rather than one company paying loads of the data, loads of claims and some company paying none, everyone goes up together. Yeah. However, with our, large, with our larger corporate schemes of over 15 people, they are claims related. However, we can do something called a group, a group deductible where we manage part of their premium for them. And if they don't use the policy much, then they might get a percentage cut back if they're under that 30% threshold. I see. Now, Jimmy, uh, before we go into the next aspect, if you like, when it comes to who, one of the other things that I'm conscious of at the moment, you know, we're, we're, we're currently recording this at the end of June 2022. Um, we're going through a bit of a recruitment and retention crisis right now. Um, there are so many businesses and industries that are really struggling to be able to recruit staff after COVID and lockdown and furlough and, and all of the stuff that happened over the last two years. But also there's a number of businesses that have retained the staff, uh, kept them on and dealt with furlough and all that type of stuff, only to find that they're being poached by other people and moving around and this and the other. I would like to think that this, if we're going to put it into a company policy, would be a, a great benefit, a staffing kind, a benefit in kind for staff that is probably something that isn't being offered by uh, a competitor as a means of being able to either attract some new talent because of the competency of the of the policies, or a way of being able to reward customer uh, reward um, uh, retention and and loyalty of existing staff. Yeah, one hundred percent. We're having well, I in my opinion, we're having far more corporate inquiries now than private inquiries. And when I say private, I mean like potentially a family um, who doesn't have a company to to put the healthcare through. It's coming out of their own pocket. Um, the corporate schemes were definitely having a lot of inquiries about setting up healthcare schemes uh, for staff. And what we do with the, with, with the corporate schemes is the companies generally pay for the employees. And then if the, if the employees would like to add partners and spouses and kids on, then they can maybe potentially run that aspect as a salary sacrifice because they don't have to pay for it if they don't want to. On the other hand, you have some companies, small companies and maybe five people and they want to ensure all five families on it and the company just pays that and then they offset it against the corporation tax. I don't know too much about all the tax elements so I won't go into it. The only advice I would give potential clients and people who might be of future interest is to speak to their accountants about that and they will be able to give them the best advice um, about paying, paying for private medical insurance through their business but yes, definitely. We've definitely had a lot, a lot of corporate companies coming to us saying we'd like to set up an employee healthcare policy cover to help keep staff, to help bring staff in, to help, to help staff who've been there a long time to give them something back if they maybe potentially post-COVID can't afford a pay rise. Mm -hmm. um, and also at the moment, I think healthcare is quite a popular benefit because when I scroll through my social media now and I see jobs advertised, I see quite a lot of them including private medical insurance within their job adverts. Yeah. And that's something obviously I look for because that is the industry that I'm in. Sure. Uh, but that's obviously something which employees now realising the value of their employees. If it's a small business and a couple of those employees are therefore not working because they're waiting for treatment, the business may be affected slightly. How is that going to affect the owners of the business revenue or all these other things and aspects which could be brought into it mm -hmm. if certain key individual or even the owners are then struggling to get into work 
to be productive, to keep the business afloat, or even if one of the key employees, partners, unfortunately are struggling, are they going to be as productive or is the man going to be elsewhere? So there's lots of things we could go into, but long story cut short, yes. Um, private, private medical insurance is definitely um, something which employers are putting in now to help, to help keep staff and bring staff in. Jimmy, thank you. And again, just to be able to pull this back into add a zero and why it's relevant to each and every one of us listening to this podcast as we speak, what we need to acknowledge is that add a zero isn't just about being able to put more and more revenue through the business. It's all about being able to look at the burn rate of cash and look at where the, uh, uh, where the savings can be made to be able to impact net profit um, and the bottom line, as it were. And if you've got to be able to, if you could do, just quickly do some sums, even if it's just a fag packet maths or a calculator on your phone, if you were to work out as to what would be the cost to the business in financial terms of pounds, shillings and pence of the things that you've worked so damn hard to be able to do, if you were off work for 6, 12, 18, 24 months for an NHS waiting list, compared to being able to see a specialist in 24 hours and be able to start discussing your surgery and your treatment within weeks and, and just look at the, the cost to the business and then make a comparison. What happens if you had to employ somebody to do your job in those two years because you were waiting on an NHS waiting list? How much more would it cost to be able to bring somebody in to be able to replace you? Or even if it's not you, if it's a member of staff, if you've got a long-term sickness absence record of somebody waiting for an operation and can't get to work or do the job um, that's on long-term sick. And then what other impact is that having on the other employees and their morale, knowing that they're now having to pull together and do the work of somebody else for so many months and months and months waiting, compared to what I'm now going to ask you, Jimmy, is... This all sounds almost too good to be true. I'm almost asking, why doesn't everyone sign up for this? And I guess it's down to perceived cost versus benefit. So can you give us a... I know that you can't give us some accurate figures for each individual circumstance because there isn't a one-size-fits-all. It's very much a bespoke uh, pricing model for each individual circumstance and the medical circumstances around it. But can you give us a rough idea with regards to how much might somebody pay as a solopreneur that's chosen that this sounds good so far, but surely it's outside of my reach? Yeah, so the private clients are slightly more expensive than the corporate clients. Now that's, now that's because the private clients have a no-no-claims policy. So down the years, if, if they're a customer for a long period of time, they're probably not going to pay out quite as much to spend um, if they're going to make quite a lot of claims. Sure. So the private clients are slightly more expensive. However, the private clients get offered um, some get some discounts, whether that's an incentive offer we have one, it's like the 2555 I spoke about earlier. And also, if people are self-employed on a private policy, they get an additional 20% off until they're the age of 55. And once they're, once they're 55 years old, it then, it then goes down by 2% per year until they're 65, so wow. then 65 it's full price. Sure. So when I say it goes down by, six, by when, when, when it goes down by 2% per year, for example, if, if they're 56, they get 18% off, 57, yeah. 16, and then and so on all the way down to 65. Um, yes, that's, um, that's definitely the difference, that's definitely a good thing about the private side of things, there's more discounts, but the corporate side is slightly cheaper per head. Sure. Um, and that, and I said the good thing about the corporate side as well, if when people, might may want to add partners and that sort of thing on um, as a salary sacrifice 
it comes out the wages before tax. Yes. For, for argument's sake, let's say um, it was fifty pound per head. Fifty pound out your wages is probably hundred pounds pre-tax mm-hmm. or somewhere in that figure. I'm not. I don't know. Oh, but yeah. So that's basically how how that would work. Um, and then the corporate schemes. Um, they're not necessarily. Uh, they are cheaper, as I said, but they're more claims influenced. Sure. But if companies are paying for it, as I said earlier, they can speak to their accountants, offset against corporation tax, but they get the benefits of keeping people working, uh, they're keeping people healthy. So a lot of our policies can cover as an added extra things like the opticians, the dentists, we give them a certain amount of cash for those things. But as a general price, ballpark figure, it's different on the level of cover and it's all to do with age and postcode. So a 60 year old living in the middle of London is going to be more expensive than a 60 year old living in the countryside in Cheshire. Sure, sure. Um, but then a 20 year old in the, no, sorry, a 30 year old in the middle of London might be similar price to a 40 year old living in, in the countryside. I see. So it's all done on age and postcode. That's how we do the pricing. But generally, if I had to give you a figure, a private client, I would say you are looking around somewhere to, in the region of double your age. So if you're 40 years old, you're looking at around 80 quid. Okay. Ish. ish. Okay. 50, 100 quid. These yep. are just rough figures. Sure. If it's a decent level of cover. We can make it cheaper and we can put less cover in, but they get less for the money. Um, and that is always cheaper. But then on the other hand, we can make it far more, we can make it more expensive if they want to add lots of added extras in. Yeah. And then as the discounts come off, obviously prices change. Everyone gets a year older, so they get a year older. They might move house and then it goes up again, but ish double your age as, as a good start. That's for a private client. And then for a corporate client, again, it's all to do with age and the business postcode, but they are slightly cheaper. The cover levels are slightly different. Um, but then I say you're looking at around your age plus 20. Okay. So if you're 50, maybe looking at 70 quid-ish. Okay. Again, but if it's a high level of coverage, yes, it could of be course. 80, 90. Yeah. If you look at a low level of coverage, it could be 50. But that's a great analogy to be able to say, look, as a very rough sum, you know, before I, I'm fortunate enough that I, I've known what we're paying because we've, we've been with you for a while. Um, but, you know, for somebody that's perhaps never thought about this before, they might have thought it to be thousands and thousands of pounds that only the rich and famous can possibly afford because of the comprehension of what's available to them and the speed of treatment that's available. Um, but what we're actually saying is it's, it's less than you're paying for your mobile phone a month um, in real terms when it comes to your, you know, your, your newfangled package of your iPhone 26XW uh, uh, ultra um, with some insurance on it to be able to make sure that you don't crack your screen you're probably paying more in insurance on your car on your pet and on your holiday than you are on your own health and that's scary yeah you've just you've just took my next line out, 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 out of my mouth Jay. I was going to ask you those questions I was going to say are you do you insure your car do you insure your pet? Do you insure your home? Do you insure whatever else you insure? So all your contents and all that sort of thing. But what happens if you're not well enough to look after all those things? Mm. If you've not insured yourself, none of it's pointless. All the rest of it's pointless. Yeah. So um, I know, as I said earlier, fine. Well, private healthcare may not be in demand as what it is now forever. 
but you're not signing up to private healthcare for a lifetime contract. Just because you're 30, you doesn't mean you're paying for private healthcare until you one day pop your clogs. That's not the way it works. But however, in these current times, when the NHS is struggling, yes, you're getting yourself private treatment to the NHS, but it's also one less person or one less family the NHS therefore don't have to worry about. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I'm sure that we'll both agree then that in actual fact, one, it's incredibly affordable. It's, it's a lot more affordable than perhaps people even give considerations to, particularly if we then make comparisons to how much do you pay to insure the house that's never been broken into. Um, to be able to have your PlayStation 2 or 3 or 4 or 7 or whatever it is these days, um, to, to know that that's safe when you go on holidays or to the pub. Um, we've got house and content insurance. Uh, we've got travel insurance for, for, for the few times that we're allowed to be able to move out from lockdown and, and go to the seaside uh, as long as we've got two metre distancing. We've, we've got travel insurance. Uh, that reminds me, I, mine's up as of the end of next month. Uh, must remember to do that. Um, we've got car insurance for the car that sat on the drive for 90% of its life. Um, and when we drive it, we drive it so bloody sensibly these days because we can't afford the fuel um, uh, increase in prices. We've, we've got all of these insurances for other things in our life. You know, I'll spend... I probably spend twice as much to insure the car on my drive than I do my own health. And I do that quite willingly. Yes, I always look for a good deal. I always want to listen to uh, Money Supermarket and find out what, uh, uh, what, what the great advice is as to where to be able to get the best policy. But admittedly, I don't tend to choose on price. I tend to choose on, does it cover all of the things that I need to have it? And you've just mentioned I can now get my opticians and my dental, which I hadn't even thought to be able to do because that, that would be a good idea to be able to have a conversation about being able to add that to my policy next year. Um, but I've got all of these newfangled things that are available to me. I've got, I've got phone insurance, pet insurance, why wouldn't I make sure that the first thing, the most important thing, even if just so I can afford to pay all the other insurances, that my health, my, my, my own self is insured to protect me for being in the health that I need it to be to do all of the things I want to do. And it, it, it almost begs belief that people don't see this as... As, as important as paying my rent and my mortgage. I, I received my salary. Uh, I've, I've done salary sacrifice if I'm able to do so through my business, so I'm not even paying tax on it. Um, to be able to ensure that the one thing that is the most important to everything is ensured by somebody that's so capable and competent of looking after it well. Uh, Jimmy, I'm gonna, I, I, we're going to wrap up in a minute, but b before we do so, I'm keen to be able to understand... WPA aren't a new kid on the block. You've been doing this for some time. Yes, we, we'll say we, WPA have been around for about 120 years. 120 years. That's mad, isn't it? It is mad, it is mad. And I can't remember the exact history, but I'll give it a go. Um, I believe it started in a small village. The small village was everyone put a penny in a pot in the village or whatever equivalent it was back then. To cover so the cost of many would cover the cost of treatment for the few who needed it that's the model it works on that's where i go back to that not-for-profit stage and the risk pool price where everyone pays a little bit to cover the high cost of the few evolve that now through 120 years 
And here we are with a head office down in Taunton in Somerset, 300 to 400 staff, and in and around the number 85, potentially slightly more franchises in the UK. Absolutely. And it's about us all putting a little few coffers into a pot to know that collectively we are protected to get some of the best medical treatment available um, should we ever need it. Now, just out of curiosity, and I'm presuming that you being as astute as you are, you might have some of these figures to hand. But, Jimmy, if I didn't have insurance, how much is the NHS going to spend on me if I get something like cancer? You know, because so many people turn around and say, it's all right, I've got some money under the bed, if ever I need it, I'll just put it on a credit card. Some of the treatments that we're talking about these days run into hundreds of thousands of pounds very, very quickly. They are tens, tens if not hundreds of thousands of pounds. Um, unfortunately, using something like the example of cancer, that is a long-term treatment, a lot of chemotherapy, a lot of that sort of thing. Um, I actually lost my best friend when I was 22 to cancer. I'm sorry, mate. Cancer's one of those things which, myself included, before all this happened, I thought it happens to old people. Sure. Every now and then there's a rare one. But unfortunately, that rare one, that could pop up at any time. Mm. Um, cancer is a wicked one. But other things which are more common, like if somebody needs to go for a knee surgery, a knee reconstruction, because just like yourself, they've hurt it doing something silly or they've been playing football or in the army or whatever it was, they have hurt the knee. You're looking at seeing a specialist and a, just, to, just to see the specialist, a couple of scans, maybe a couple of blood tests or an x-ray, that sort of thing. Um, then, then, then to see the specialist again, just the scans and seeing the specialist alone and a couple of the bits and pieces could cost you fifteen hundred quid. Yeah. yeah, that's not including then going. That is then not including having the surgery. Then that surgery is going to cost you X amount, and then after post surgery, you want to see the physio, you want to get the treatment, you want access to the drugs which you may potentially need, you want access to see a specialist um, who's then going to give you a new physio program and that sort of thing. That bill might end up being anywhere from about 10 grand to 20 grand. Yeah, it quickly mounts up. It does, it quickly mounts up. And the last thing you, you want to be thinking about is, oh, I wonder how much this is going to cost me. Whereas when you're struggling and you're in a surgery or, or you're recovering and you're in a lot of pain as it is, and probably an awful lot going on inside your head about, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, or I need to do this, I need to do that, or whatever it is, one of, the, one of the few things you can push to the side is knowing I've got private healthcare, I can get myself fit and I can get myself working again to go back and do these jobs I want to do and, and I need to do, rather than having to worry about, oh, hell's teeth, this is going to cost me this amount or that amount. Yeah. At the cost of less than me monthly car insurance and a little bit more than me phone and me dog. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's how insane it is, is that, you know, it's, it's so affordable to get so much treatment and it's because... Of that, of that non-commercial agreement within WPA of a not-for-profit that says if we all put in what it costs to do what we need to do, that we share the cost. And in all fairness, that's, that's so much more ethical, isn't it? Yes. Uh, rather than saying, but how much does it cost me and how much have I got to pay? It's, it's not about us. It's about collectively, working collaboratively to say, if we all chip in and cover the costs, then we all get the benefit of if and when and as and when we need it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, one of the questions um, I often get calls about and asking about is pre-existing conditions. Okay. So there's a myth. Anything pre-existing you can't, you then then can't get private healthcare for. Yes, I've often heard that. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you have. So it's, 
It's true to an extent. However, there is now an, there's now an underwriting called a moratorium underwriting. A moratorium. A moratorium underwriting. So a moratorium, let's use for argument's sake, we take a policy in June 2022. Okay. We took one at the start of this month. Anything on your GP record in the past five years, so from June 2022 to June 2017, is not covered until you've been on the policy for two years, which takes us to June 2024. And if you've not claimed to have any treatment, symptoms, advice, medication on those pre-existing, pre-existing conditions from those past five years, those pre-existing conditions will then therefore be covered. Wow. Okay. So that's brilliant. Mr. Smith had a poorly knee in 2019 and went and got an x-ray. Turns out his knee was all right. He just needed some rest and a little bit of physio. That isn't covered because he, that, was, that was in his five-year window. Mr. Smith carries on with life after his policy starts in June of 2022. Two years later, as long as he's not had any treatment or claims anything on that knee, that is then covered. Then in 2026, Mr. Smith hurts that same knee again. Oh no, I can't get this covered because I've hurt it previously, therefore it isn't. Sure. Basically that's how it works. But it's after his two-year period of being symptom and treatment free, yep. he can then claim on that knee and get the operation done for his knee, which he may have needed back in 2017 or 2019, whatever sure, I said. Sure, sure. However, where that rule necessarily doesn't help an individual is if, for example, a client potentially may have high blood pressure and they're on blood pressure thinners. Yeah. It's like on all these drugs for that sort of thing. Um, because they're never going to have a two years of not taking medication for high blood pressure, they're never going to have anything related to that blood pressure symptom they're therefore covered. Yeah. That blood pressure might lead to... a different aspect of something else might go wrong result from that blood pressure. Unfortunately that wouldn't be covered because that's because um, that's on that is ongoing medical treatment. However, fifteen years ago, Jay, you had a bad shoulder. Because that's outside of the five year moratorium period, that's fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. that's covered from that is covered from the first day. Yeah. So from June twenty twenty two, that poorly shoulder from fifteen years ago, if you hurt it the following day, bad timing for head office good time of you you can get it all done privately sure the other thing is the fact the fact that although you've given this example of this ongoing condition that wouldn't be covered nobody else is going to cover it either this is not specific to wpa that says no. we don't do it no, no. the simple fact is that that old myth that if it's a preconceived idea a pre- preconceived condition that it's not going to be covered that just that just runs true for ongoing conditions while ever it's an ongoing condition Verbatim. It doesn't matter who we're talking about. No one's going to turn around and say, "Oh yes, of course we'll give you a hundred thousand pounds worth of cover for something that we know that you're already ill with." Um, yeah. it, it's not specific. Whereas what you're saying is that the moratorium within WPA says, but as long as it's treatment free for two years, anything over a five year window prior is then subsequently covered because it's not been treated recently. Exactly. Exactly, and that's the same across. Most insurers now, the boopers, axes, vitalities, all the healthcare is all done in private hospitals all around the country. We use some of their hospitals. They we all share the same hospitals, so we all you all get the same level of treatment in each one. It's dealing with the company of how you. It's dealing with the company you want to deal with and why you want to deal with them. Now the reason why I like dealing with WPA and particularly with you, Jimmy, is the fact that it's not just a solar service. Um, Every member 
gets to connect with the person who's going to manage their account. Um, I end up with your mobile phone number. Um, and if I've got a problem, if I need to make a claim, if I can't use the app or not sure about a question or this and the other, I get to phone a human being who I've got an ongoing relationship with that I can just say, Jimmy, what about this? And can you do that? And what about this? And you either know the answer because you're a knowledgeable chap or you go and find the answer. But it's really a personal service that we get from WPA that, that perhaps wouldn't be the same if I just went to one of the, the biggies where you just get thrown into, you buy it online and before you know it, you've just got this digital bot that's trying to manage your account. Yeah, I, um, I couldn't tell you the exact business models and detail of each insurer. Sure. Um, but definitely from us with regards to the franchise, if you purchase from the franchise which Mark owns, which is the one based in Stockport, um, well, not, we're not based in Stockport, but, that, but that's our territory, then that's absolutely fine. We can... Um, we um, no sorry um, any client that purchases from us they will have our phone numbers they can ring us with questions we are quite thorough so we don't like to call ourselves salesmen we like to advise people on what we think is best and then we explain why what we're not going to do is chucking everything in the kitchen sink in a policy because it's most expensive I'm going to stop you just there because I want to draw some I just want to go back a track here yeah we're not salesmen um, yes, it's a franchise, and yes, we need to be able to earn a living, and this and the other. But there's something that you've said, and I've heard you say it several times over. We're only going to advise the policy that we feel would be best for you based on whether we would advise a member of our own family. And for me, that was the clincher. Yes, absolutely. So I always say that I will treat my clients like I treat my friends and family. If you came to me, Jay, and you came to took the lowest level policy and I heard why you wanted private healthcare, and if you want that, that, that lowest level policy for those reasons and they were the right reasons to have it, brilliant. I wouldn't try and add anything in. Or if you went for the, or if you went for the standard version or whatever policy you went for, if that was the right policy for you, that is brilliant. Some people, the most expensive policy is what they need. However, likewise... As a family member, rather than just a, a casual friend, if I've come to you and I've said, I've been on the website, I've done all my research, I know exactly what I want, I want to buy this policy, and you know that it's the wrong policy for me, you're going to tell me so. I will advise you that I think it's the wrong policy and I'll give you my reasons why. However, it's not me who makes the final choice sure. on what policy they want. An example recently. But as a close family member, I'd expect somebody to challenge me if I've got it wrong yeah. and to quantify that and allow me to be able to make my own decisions, but to the same extent, not just say, yes, not a problem, I'm happy to sell you X, knowing full well that the advice would have been that I don't think, based on what you've told me, I might need to ask you some more questions to understand as to why you feel that's the right policy compared to what I think would be a better policy for you. Can you help me understand that? And that's the type of conversation you have regularly. Exactly. I always like to meet my clients first on a Zoom call or something like that. Or if, or if they're close enough, face-to-face, -face, happy days. Because we do get referred clients all around the country and sometimes they are quite a long way to go. However, if I can do it face-to-face, -face, I'll do it face-to-face. -face. If not, teams, because it's almost a face-to-face, -face, but it's just saves the travel and that sort of thing. It is a very, very convenient time. And I sit there and I share my screen and I go through absolutely everything and then I help build a policy. So there's certain things which are included as standard and then there's often two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight optional extras or certain limits that you can add on to your policy. And we build those optional extras together 
to help suit your needs. Now, I might advise one person this, but they want this. But after I, after I advise them this, that's an up, up to them what I've said from my advice and what they think from their advice or what their opinion is. That's absolutely fine. At the end of the day, it is the client's choice, but little things like I've experienced how nasty cancer's been, not for myself, but for a friend I've grown up with since we were in nappies. So I've experienced how nasty that has been. I don't refuse to sell a policy without cancer care in it, but I always strongly advise putting cancer care into a policy, because as I said earlier, unfortunately, you never know when, if that may or may not happen. Absolutely. So it's little things like that. We're not pushy. We're not going to try and throw in the kitchen sink, you need this, this, and this, because it gives us the best return rate or whatever it is. We're not like that. We advise our clients on a policy which would suit them and their needs, what we'd advise our friends and families to have. That's Jimmy, what it is. that has been brilliant. I'm so delighted that you've been able to come and join us today to be able to share some more about WPIN and the affordability and the reasons as to why everyone should really give some proper considerations to this. I guess the final question then is, is if people have listened to this podcast uh, and either know people that they ought to be sharing it with or, or at least pointing them in the right direction, or if they've got questions that they want to ask, the, uh, ask themselves with regards to how do I progress and move forward, further, yes, we're going to put some contact details for you in the show notes so people can just click and make it easy as possible. But how best do people connect with you to be able to have that conversation, Jimmy? Yes, yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, they can drop me an e- email. They can come through you and we can make an introduction via that. Um, as I said, I like to meet people face-to-face or on Teams. The phone's brilliant, it gets a quick question done, but you don't really get to meet a person like that. I know you don't necessarily get to meet them on Teams or a Zoom call either. However, that's, in my opinion, that's better than a phone call. Um, we don't charge for any services, so we could do ABC a quote, uh, we could do them three quotes, five quotes, whatever they wanted, send over all the literature. They might then have a look at it and think, oh, actually, we're not quite ready for this yet, we'll push it back six months, or, oh, actually, Jimmy, I'm not interested in this anymore, or, Jimmy, this is brilliant, can we go forward with it? I don't charge for anything, any of my services or that. In fact, no one in Western Providence Association charges for their services. It's when you get that policy. And even then, it's just that premium. Certainly. Jimmy, this has been brilliant. And I'm hoping that from everyone that's listened to the podcast so far, you'll understand now that, one, the reason that I invited Jimmy on today, but also the value that this will bring to both you, your business and your family uh, and that of your either current or future employees. There is so much that we've got to stop and give considerations to in today's episode in terms of how to be able to add a zero. And again, it's not just about the, the gross turnover. That's just a vanity number to be able to show off on social media at the end of the year. The, the real number that counts is that net profit. And one of the ways to be able to impact that is to be able to be fit and healthy and have a fit and healthy workforce to be in work and able to be able to generate the income for us. And one of the ways to be able to ensure that is to ensure that. And that would be with Jimmy and WPA. Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a delight and a pleasure to have you on the show. Jay, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, Thanks for everything. That's all for this episode. As always, we really thank you for listening and welcome your comments, thoughts, and suggestions. 
So please do drop us a line by emailing podcast at mytruenorth.biz. And don't forget, if you haven't already done so, hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening to this through. And tell your colleagues and business network all about who we are. You've been listening to the Add a Zero podcast presented by Jay Allen. Brought to you in association with My True North, the UK's leading ethical coaching company.